0: welcome into the daily wolves podcast i'm your host evan today uh i'm joined by kyle Tige. trip is not with us today for those listening trip is usually on as my co-host but uh nonetheless i think i have one of the best guests out there that you could possibly get kyle how's it going
1: it's going well shout out to trip i love talking to trip as well love talking to you evan um i think trip was scared to come on because he's a packers fan and he knows how bad his football (laughs) team is right now but uh no, it's just you and I today, and we've got, we got some highs, we got some lows to talk about, so uh, I appreciate you having me on.
0: Yeah, I had to get you on because we kind of exchanged uh, our thoughts back and forth over these last weeks, and, and the Timberwolves really are in a weird spot, a kind of a spot where it's not a huge surprise, but at the same time, it is a surprise. And what I mean by that is, like, you didn't think they would struggle this much You knew that they were going to have a little bit of issues here in the beginning. It's going to be clunky with all the the new pieces on the team with Rudy Gobert and and Carl Anthony Towns. But um, I I expected some of this to happen, but I I don't know if I expected it exactly to play out the way it did. What do you think uh, on the Timberwolves so far, Kyle?
1: No, I think you worded that pretty well that you expected some of this, but it maybe didn't go as you expected. I think that's fair. Um, I last night was pretty toxic on the timeline. I think we swapped a couple of texts about being pretty mad about just kind of the result. Right. Um, but then today when I had some coffee and had some time to kind of think about it, my, my, stance on this is that you and I, we talked in September, we talked in August, we talked in October, we agreed to give this 20 games and I feel like we're all not being honest with ourselves that we're eight games in and now we've completely lost our fucking mind. So I do still want to give it that 20 games to figure itself out. I mean, if you go just pull up any, you can kind of parse through statistics. Um, this this starting lineup is not that bad defensively. I think their defensive rating is like seventh. Their offensive mm-hmm. rating is like second worst in the league. So I actually thought it would be the inverse. As you said earlier, I thought that offensively they would have it all figured out right away because there's so much talent, but they wouldn't click defensively. They have clicked defensively a little bit, but those net rating or those offensive and defensive ratings kind of net out to be like 19th in the league. Well, they have way too much talent to be 19th in the league. That's you know a nine seed in your in your conference. So again, I, I, I'm really just looking for game in and game out as badly as we want to win. And I know people are mad that they didn't gobble up more wins in that early part of the season, but I mean, does you? you got to look around the league too, right? Like the Warriors are really struggling and they're DNP and they're young guys. Like a lot of teams are just kind of going through it right now. So all I want, even though wins will be nice, all I want in November is can, can you play better than the game before? And I thought, and I know you were boots on the ground in Phoenix last night at the game. Uh, Like I've thought Carl has really looked like himself these last couple games. He he had that huge fourth quarter against the Lakers, which I know you were also at as you're moving around the country. But then I also thought he looked like himself last night. I think he had like 24, 10, and seven. Um, Those are real big Carl numbers. He's facilitating. He's probably their best playmaker right now on offense, which is not great for your backcourt. But I just want to see this team kind of get better game by game for these first 20 games. I'm not super worried about the record, even though I know that, they don't have a pick for whatever, for the whole future. And they got to make the playoffs and expectations. But you really can, as we get into December and January and February, if you're, if this works, Evan, and this clicks, mm-hmm. they're just going to start to mow through wins. So I want to see them figure it out now and kind of solidify that foundation. Um, but that sounded optimistic. There are some, some issues, right? Like you were there last night, the backcourt of D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards is just not, Playing to what you would expect them to play like. What what was like your what was the thing you noticed the most being in person last night?
0: Um. So, first last night in person for I was going over this with Kyle before we were kind of you know on the on the live here. But for those who have never been to Phoenix, Arizona for a basketball game, you have no idea what it is like here. It is it is a basketball city. It's a basketball state. And it's absolutely uh, absurd um, to see the the kind of action that they get. And so I go into it full arena. I'm talking every seat full, Kyle. Everything in the arena sold out. It's a regular season game. You know, it's against the Timberwolves. And um, it's it it's it's crazy because you know I sorry one sec my 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 dog no, is. Uh, I, uh-
1: I'll I'll comment on that, though, because, you know, the Suns, it's important to remember, too, the Suns weren't, I mean, the Suns are the class of the Western Conference, right? But it wasn't that long ago that the Suns were in a similar spot to this Wolves team, right? Like, they were, had a lot of high picks. They had Booker. They had Aiton. Like, they had all these guys, and they just never pieced it together, and then they went and made that big kind of all-in move to get a Chris Paul. Went through kind of the growing pains, and then they were a Western Conference Finals team or an NBA final team, like, I'm not saying the Wolves have a long way to go to that, but when the Suns got good real fast, a lot of people supported that team, and you're starting to see that now, too. The The playoff games against the Grizzlies were crazy, but it's cool to see that you were in Phoenix and to see what this could look like at another level with the Wolves because the Suns, I mean, Suns are really good, and their fans are f- just extremely passionate.
0: Yeah, I think so in person. Um, the first thing I noticed – kind of starting to watch the game is how I I thought the Timberwolves played really good, like defensively, like you said, Um, I think they held Phoenix, which is like, I think Phoenix is one of the, the few teams that was like top five in offensive rating and top five in defensive going into the the game last night. So I was expecting, you know, us to just get obliterated in the beginning of the game, just because the way the wolves have been playing, you know, we're not, we're on national TV, uh, just a little awkward in there, but, but I was holding out hope because you know DeAndre Ayton's out of last night's game. So in my head, I'm sitting there thinking, all right, I'm sitting down in my seat. We're gonna watch Carl Towns and hopefully Rudy Gobert take advantage of Bismarck Viambo, who's six eight out there. And I'm over here like, can we feed the ball to Rudy? And then I'm seeing uh, Rudy Gobert right in front of my face. I kind of sat down by the basket where, um, so I could see it right up close. Oh yes. Fumbling the ball, like. He looked like he had butter all over his hands, man. I don't know if you saw that, like, watching on TV. Rudy Gobert could not catch a pass to save his life.
1: Yeah, you know, it's something Dane and I talked about today on on the Dane Moore NBA podcast. I don't know what it is, but between dropping – I mean, because, again, dropping some of those passes that he used to catch, maybe finishing at the rim with, a like, a finger roll instead of a dunk. Yeah. Some of the rebounds he's missed – I don't want to speculate yet. And it could just be that he's still trying to get everything back from playing a ton of basketball in EuroBasket this summer. He just doesn't look like the Rudy Gobert that I watched play last year. And I just yeah. refuse to believe that he's fallen off a cliff physically because he is in really good shape. He just turned 30. He's not, you know, 38. Um, but I think you're right. Like he, he just dropped, like he dropped a couple of passes last night. that were great feeds from D'Angelo Russell, which if those connect, Maybe this whole thing is a lot different. and We're talking about a win, and Delo's stats look a little better. So I don't know what it is with that, but he he definitely just had, you know, we thought when we went from Vando, who we love, to Gobert, that we were at least going to get better hands, right? Because Vando's hands were yeah. always a little sketchy. Um, that wasn't the case last night. So I, I think that's a good observation. What else did you see, literally being behind the basket?
0: So behind the basket, I also noticed this. Now, this is early in the game. So this is more like first half, kind of. Um, I- I'm sitting there watching – I, I felt like Carl was, was pretty flustered in the early game. I, sort of okay. calls. Um, I remember one play in particular when he was under the hoop and he got a rebound, and he just kind of started doing his thing where he just flares around, gets super you know animated, and, and then puts it up and doesn't get the call. And I remember that play specifically because I'm just like, oh, no, uh, here we go. Carl's, Carl's going to snowball from here because he's, he's super flustered in the game. Things aren't going good for the Wolves. Rudy's been complaining you know I see him complaining to the refs up close because Rudy's not getting calls he's looking at the refs and I'm just thinking like okay the refs aren't going to give the wolves a call tonight um but the wolves need to figure out how to, how to take this and turn it into something positive because in in the playoffs they're not going to get calls right we know how it is in the playoff basketball right. it's going to be cool. and this is a good matchup it's against the Phoenix Suns and they're a, a they're five and one going into the game last night so you knew This is going to be a good matchup. And so how do you bounce back? And I was looking for, like, who's going to be that guy in person that I saw, like, grab the team and be like, all right, guys, calm down. This is what we got to do and be the leader. And honestly, I was looking for it when they went into the huddles or the timeouts. Dude, I didn't see it at all last night in person. I was watching for it, and I just don't see that guy on their team yet that can get everyone together, kind of like Patrick Beverly, you know, might have done before. But that goes back.
1: It, that's a very astute observation. I think everyone would agree with that. But it also kind of does go back to what forming chemistry isn't just being friends, <laughs> right? Or learning how Evan wants me to set a pick for him. There is some of that, like, some of that chemistry stuff ties into, like, for better or worse, like the alpha, right? Like, who is now yeah. that Pat's not on this team? I think Bando was maybe a little more. Uh, outspoken in terms of being kind of a, a quiet leader than than many people think, um, but they have to find it. They have to figure it out, and Ant can't be a leader at 19, and he can't really be a leader at 20. Can he be a leader now in his third year? I mean, John Morant's third year, he sniffed MVP votes. Like I, I think you can at this point, so someone in that starting five, they have all sorts of age, they have all sorts of experience, they have all sorts of playoff experience. Maybe it's Rudy, but someone does need to be that I mean, I know what you're talking about, Evan. It's like that basic, yeah. on a weird foul call, someone just huddles up all the guys at the free throw line before they shoot the free throws. They're like, hey, let's reset. Like, let's get our heads together. And they don't have that right now. But that's no, not an excuse because someone has to step into that mold. Like, if Carl Anthony Towns wants to say all the right things and do all the right things and, you know, challenge people on their diets, like, you also then have to be the guy that on the court is, is trying to lead on the court, not just off the court.
0: Do you get the the kind of vibe? So we've talked about it, like, uh, everyone's talked about it. You know, Carl Anthony Towns comes into the year. He has battles the throat infection. Um, so props to for getting through that, you know, and being able to play for us. Um, first off, I got to say that. But secondly, do you think that, because I, I kind of feel like Carlton Towns, you know, we've all gone to our day jobs, our 9-to-5 job, and we've all felt like shit to be honest, right? you haven't felt yeah. good one day. And you felt bad, you go to work. Right. And, you're happy and, and you show up and you don't really talk to anybody. You kind of, or you try to as, as least, you know, as little as possible. And, and you just kind of almost look a little bit mad on your face or a little bit out of it. But you're just kind of like, I just got to get through this. I'm not happy to be here. I don't want to be here. Do you get that vibe from Towns at all? Because I kind of like, I kind of get that vibe right now. Like he's just kind of, I got to get through this. I'm not feeling that great, but he's just kind of – he's just there. Like, he, he doesn't look like he's having fun playing basketball like he used to. And I'm not saying this can't improve, Kyle, because I think it's going to. I just think, like, right now he's not feeling good, and so he's just he's just getting through it. Is that a weird statement? Yeah, no, no, I
1: think it's an awesome analogy. I was just kind of, like, building that in my own, and the work idea is a really good one. But maybe more so, like, if you and all of your friends, like – I don't know. Hell, hell, let's just do this. You and nine of your friends go and play pickup basketball on a Saturday and you're just hung over hard, like just beaten yeah. up. And okay. on Friday, like you do it Saturday morning, but Friday. And yeah, exactly. Me in Vegas. Like Friday, you did legs at the gym, long day of school or work or whatever. And then you got hung over and Saturday you're playing pickup. Like that's a fair vibe for what Carl, I think Carl is playing professional basketball against the best of the best and just looks around and it's like, damn it. Like I just, Look at the energy that Ant has. Or look at the springs that maybe Jaden had. Like, I just physically don't have it. And I think it's more of a frustration thing. But again, and I, I'm kind of – we're going to have to just segment this early part of the season so we don't – because it's been so up and so down. These last three games, Lakers, Spurs, not as much, but and then last night in Phoenix, I thought he started to look like himself a little more production-wise, efficiency. He's letting it fly from three. 100%. A little more. Like, he had, that, he had that moment last night that – I think, I think it was in the third where he hit like back-to-back threes and they just, I mean, they didn't even touch the net, but he kind of had his swagger back a little bit, but not, I watched both of those threes again this morning. Like he didn't kick his leg out. That was big. And he also just had a little more just, you know, swagger, held his arm up there, got back on defense. So I think you're right. I think he just is frustrated with, this is the biggest season of his career and he came into it well behind, right? He came into it essentially, you know, hung over and beaten up and all these things. So that would be frustrating, right? Like that would be frustrating to yeah. you as well. And I think it's something to monitor, but it also factors back into the 20 game thing. Let's just see how he looks. I thought he looked better in game eight than game one. Let's see how he looks in game 15 compared to game eight.
0: Yeah. And I think, um, you know, Anthony Edwards getting back into shape, we could call it right. Losing the 10 yeah. pounds that he <laughs> yep. the, and I think that that's helped, you know, that's helpful as well. Hopefully, like if Rudy gets his health back, I thought Kyle Anderson. He's been he's been missing the last few games, but he came back last night. And I thought Kyle Anderson was, I thought he looked good out there, and I thought like he was a big part to to the Wolves bench, and they played really good that unit, the whole bench unit, right? It's not just him. I thought Nas Reed had another fantastic game. He's probably what been the best player for the Timberwolves this year, making a case for us to sign him to an extension. Uh, but it's like hard because it's like Nas is playing that good. But like how do you make room for that that guy when you have two bigs that you're, you know, invested the super max contracts in and your whole future in. And um and then I'm, you know, Torian's had a solid game. J Max always phenomenal. We always love J Max. He's always doing the winning plays out there for a little bit. And when I'm watching the game, yesterday, I will say this, Kyle, for being in the arena, I was just like, man. We cannot put D'Angelo Russell back in this game, and we put him in. I mean, I know you kind of have to because you're invested in it, but, like, is it an ego thing at a certain point with Chris Finch where he's like, oh, you know, I got to get my starters in and stuff because, like, you got to – at one point, it's almost like – I know you want them to gel the starting five, but, like, the way that Jordan's been running with those guys, the way that some of those, uh, you know, bench pieces have been playing, I mean – they got hot, they cut it to two, and I was just fuming on the sideline and the stands when Chris Finch made a sub and put all the starters back in.
1: No. I think we all felt that same way, right? Yeah. I think we've all graduated enough now, a lot of these guys have been on the team long enough, where you can dislike a player's play and it's not personal. Like There are very strong Russell fans. I am actually probably more pro D'Lo in the past than others, but it's just it's just not been good. Like there, someone had a stat recently about like the t- prior to the Phoenix game. I think Rudy had like I don't know 27 made field goals, and Delo only had assisted on four of them. That's that just can't happen. Like you, you, the ball is in Delo's hands way too much. We thought. I mean, they talked about this at Media Day, Ant and Carl, that when they heard the Rudy Gobert trade news, the first person they thought of was, "Wow, this is going to help D'Lo so much. This is going to unlock D'Lo," and he had, just hasn't been unlocked. And then his style of play, right? He's a little more finesse. He's not, he's not an up and down, you know, speed guy like Morant or anything. So when it's not clicking and then it's also maybe not visually appealing, right? It's a lot more, you know, herky, jerky, finesse, Mm -hmm. slow. It can really kind of piss you off. Um, But I also, to go back to your main question about, was it ego? When does he pull the plug? How does he get J-Mac in there more? I'm also with you on that, but, and this is the, the sauce that we get lost in. They're four and four. That's eight games. That's 10% of the season. That's the equivalent of six quarters of an NFL game. Right. Right. So that's like, we are the the Timberwolves when they host the bucks on Friday, will be in the second half of game two of their Viking season. You can't pull the plug yet on some of these things, right? You can't just jerk guys around because the contracts matter. Politics matter. Um, So I think for now, as much as I don't want to, people don't want to hear this. I don't, Finch Chris Finch wants to win games, but I think he's okay decreasing his win probability by one or two percentage points to see if the highest paid guys and the most important guys can make this work. And then, like, again, not to berate the point, but by game 20, maybe you start to navigate that. I don't know how you make changes to the starting lineup because it's pretty much all your highest paid guys or your foundation guys like Jaden and Ant. But at some point, if it's not working, I don't think Chris Finch is going to run this starting lineup out there for 41 games if by that time their net rating is you know, 23rd in the league. So I hate to say this to you, and I know you're probably rolling your eyes, but I think it's just patience. I felt the same way last night. I wish Finch would maybe just let the guys ride it out a little more that got him there because that bench a lot of times catches up, gets you a lead. I wish he would just grind those guys out a little more, but it is hard because Phoenix puts all their – starters back in and it puts them in a weird spot but one of my criticisms through eight games is that chris finch has been a little too quick to pull the guys because i mean the reserves last night this is a weird way to look at this stat but i think Mm. prince kyle anderson Nas reed mclaughlin and noel played 91 combined minutes off the bench last night they had one Mm. turnover that's Mm. not nothing (laughs) like that's a pretty big deal for your team when they had 16 total turnovers so those guys whether they be the iowa guys or kind of the veteran guys, they just know how to play in the system. They know how to play together, and the hope is Evan that the starters find some of that pixie dust as well. That they learn how to play together. They learn how to trust the pass and play in Finch's system. Because if they don't, Finch is going to have to make a pretty large, earth-shattering adjustment to that starting five.
0: Yeah, I think they. I'm, I'm with you though. As much as i can harping on the wolves during this podcast, for those listening, I'm I'm still firmly believe. That this team is gonna figure it out. I just think they have way too much talent for for it to go sideways. I think we gotta give them time, just like you said. You gotta give them 20 games or so, 25 games, to really see what you have here. Um, and you look at the Western Conference as a whole. If if you haven't been following the Western Conference, um, for those listening, look around. I mean, you have Dallas sitting at three and three. The Clippers are down at three and four. Uh, you said it earlier in the uh, podcast, Kyle, that the Warriors have been struggling recently. I think they're on a three-game losing streak. They're sitting at three and five. Uh, so you got all these teams that are, you know, good teams like the Wolves, right? And and they're struggling. I mean, the Grizzlies and Nuggets have both lost to some bad teams uh, who they were heavily favored, And they're both four and three. Think about it this way. If the Wolves won last night, they're above those guys in the standings. The Wolves would be sitting up near the four seed in the West if they won yesterday's game. And there's two teams up there that I see right now, the Utah Jazz at three and the Spurs at four that are way overperforming right now and playing out of their minds, right? But those, I feel like their talent can't keep up later in the year. What happens when all these teams really get it together? So there's a lot of, like if the Wolves were the only team in this boat, you know, it might be a little bit more panicky for us. But the fact that the Western Conference as a whole right now is having so many issues with all these teams. I feel like that's kind of, like, we're kind of normal in a way, Kyle. Like, we're not the ones, right?
1: Also, you, fantastic point by you to bring up the standings. The counter to that, if you really want to be a jerk, is that people are going to say, yeah, but the Wolves don't have their pick next year. Well, buddy, either do the Lakers, either do the Clippers, either do the Mavs, either do the Nuggets. Like, half the Western Conference, these teams that are, Some of these teams that are well below, like you said, the the Clippers and the Lakers, these teams and the Mavs are all below the Wolves in the standings. They're also facing that same fear of like, oh, my God, we can't give up a top five pick to whoever owns our pick. So it's just every again, there are some core issues that need to be addressed. And I can promise you that while we see the Wolves for two hours every other night on TV, they also spend a lot of time behind the scenes doing other stuff. Right. Like looking at film, practicing, trying to isolate some of these things. So they have some core issues to figure out, but I do think they're going to figure it out. And it's not just like you and I being blind optimists, because there are some red flags, like the backcourt issue of Delo and Ant just not really giving this team the boost they need is an issue, but I just believe talent always wins in the end. And if it doesn't win, Tim Conley will flip the talent for other talent that does make it work. So This isn't one of those situations where you're a bad team with bad talent and you don't have your picks. This is just a mediocre team with pretty good talent that doesn't have their picks, but they'll figure it out. So we could be having a completely different conversation eight games from now and the whole Western conference. I mean, yeah, cool. The Blazers are five and one, they don't have Dame. They might be six and six, you know, by the time we start buying stuffing and ingredients for Thanksgiving. So patience is important here. It doesn't mean don't focus on the things that suck, but, just, you know, kind of take it all in because I think there's also been some good. There was a stretch of basketball last night, five or six minutes, where I thought everything was really clicking. They made a couple, like, 12-0 runs, and it showed you, wow, this is what it could look like if they just figure it out for 48 minutes.
0: Yeah, and I think the, the positive thing that, that I like, once again, you brought up earlier, is that the Wolves are, like, seventh in defensive writing. I think they were fourth in defensive writing going into the Phoenix game. And yes, their offense is, is near the bottom. And we both thought that they would have no issues with their offense, that they would be a top five offense with all those players. So I think it's better that they've shown that they can play good on defense this early in the season, because, you know, the offense is going to come around when you have D'Angelo Russell, Edwards and Towns, who's like a walking top 10 offense in himself, you know, that's going to come at, at the end, right? So wouldn't you want it this way, like where it's like, yeah, we struggle a little bit offensively early, but our defense is showing something that you're worried about. The defense has always been a worry. So I kind of think that's a positive sign. Um, Also, another positive that I, I just think is, you know, the Wolves started four and nine last year and everyone was panicking. And then the Wolves had this amazing, most fun season we've had in a long time. And also I just want to bring this up for those listening. Think of the Boston Celtics last year. They were what, it's a 500 team going into the break, the all-star break. And then they made the NBA finals. Like they put it all together. And that team was a perfect example of a team who had all this talent and they just weren't performing and things were all clunky in their team and it seemed off and everyone was questioning, do you have to split up Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum? Can they coexist? Or are they too much of the same player? Uh, what, what do you think of that, Kyle? Because I remember everyone panicking over the Boston Celtics.
1: Again, those are that's it's such a great point. And actually, the Celtics point is fantastic, right? Because they were basically a five hundred team at the turn of the new year, and then just got really hot. I know it seems impossible because we've cheered for this team for so long, and we're not used to them having winning streaks. But it's just a, it's a real thing that happened. The NBA today is going to look. It's not just going to, like, if, if the NBA today was blue, Evan, it's not going to look turquoise in January. It's going to look fucking orange. It's going to look green in March. It's just going to be, it's going to look so much different as some of these teams start to figure it out. Some of these teams don't. And then as we turn to 2023, as these teams start to just trade players, right, and tank, you're going to see, if you really think that Utah Jazz are going to be in the top eight of the standings come Valentine's Day, you should bet on it but I'm not going to do that because I think they're going to start to mortgage some of those guys and just start to tank. But it also made me think too, my friend, your friend, Jake Scraps on Twitter, he mm-hmm. posted this article from NBA.com. It was from back in 2023 or 2003, 2004, when the Wolves kind of had that big three of Kevin Garnett, Latrell Sprewell, Sam Cassell, and they had big expectations. Oh, yeah. And they had essentially a players only meeting with Flip Saunders back then after they fell to nine and eight to kind of, it was like middle of November, they're nine and eight, just not very good. They had high expectations to make this finals run, had a meeting, sorted out some stuff, kind of figured out a hierarchy. And then they went on to make the Western conference finals. We're probably going to have one of those, Evan. Like we're, if you want to bet on things that are likely probably going to have a players only meeting before the end of the year, right? Someone's going to hold one after a bad loss, maybe T, is going to lead it maybe kyle anderson maybe austin rivers um but we're 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 going to watch this team grow and develop and and maybe this is our fault you me other people but it was never just going to be seven and one entering the home game against the bucks that's just not how this stuff works right you look around the league like the teams that made new acquisitions a lot of them how do we figure it out even the teams that have some chemistry like the warriors like the clippers they're just they're not figuring it out right now. So that's a lot to say simply breathe, relax. Um and if this doesn't figure it out by Christmas, then we need to panic, right? Then it's like, okay, who do we trade? But it's not even a good time to trade anyone right now cuz half these guys aren't eligible until like December 8th. So you got to kind of figure out what you got in the kitchen right now with your ingredients and if some of those ingredients are expired or sour or don't fit into the recipe then six eight weeks from now, Tim Conley and his you know makes ten million dollars. Then it's on him to tweet this. He's not done making moves. If you think that, you're you're crazy.
0: One hundred percent. I totally agree with you. And um, you know, speaking of since we're kind of on the the positive train here, I who do you think, Kyle? Let's just go through a couple of the people who we believe this year have played really good for the Timberwolves, who have been awesome, right? Um, guys who have stepped up, who put effort every game out there Um, and I guess we'll start with none other than your boy Jalen Noel. I know I know you always say you're a little sad when we talk about Jalen Noel but (laughs) what do you you think of Jalen Noel's play this year and how has he been?
1: Well that's another reason it kind of gives me hope right is that we talked you and I talked about how we thought the team would be really good offensively to start and bad defensively and it's been the inverse and that's actually kind of Optimistic because I we didn't know if they could actually defend well, and they are. I'm pretty sure that these guys, Anthony Edwards, Conley Towns, like I'm pretty sure they'll figure it out offensively. The same goes for we said for three months that this was hands down the deepest team they've ever had. And yeah, they might be four and four, but that was proven to be right. They've got guys on that bench that would start for other teams in the league, and that's a pretty good thing to have. It starts with Jalen Noel, who has been fantastic i mean think about the Jalen noel 2020 roller coaster he had some moments in the end of last season he mm-hmm. dnps pretty much i think five of the six playoff games against the grizzlies so he's nothing then finch just randomly named drops him in the summer about being a core piece and now he's playing so well that you're like i don't even know if this team can afford it. um so he's been great He he wasn't I don't think he was as great last night off the bench. I mean, I know he had 10 10 points, but I think he only shot like four of 13. Um, But he's been a real big key to that second unit that whether you pair him with Ant or you just play all five reserves, he's been awesome. But also, too, because I know he's one of your guys, Jalen Noel has been great. But I don't know if anyone's been better in their role or more exciting or more encouraging than Nas Reed. What did you think about Nas last night who had an awesome game in Phoenix?
0: Nas was just crazy because – I'm sitting in the arena and all these Phoenix Suns fans around me, you're seeing Nas make these plays and everyone is like, who is this guy? (laughs) Like all these people have no idea who this player is. Um, And I'm, it's just like, he's that player that I feel like we've watched over the years as a Timberwolves fan, where we've been in that position where we're like, who is this guy like burning us, you know? Um, But Nas Reed was, was so fun to watch in person yesterday. He looks so much slimmer in person uh, this year than he did the other years. And I mean, you can really tell he's really slimmed down. um, And I think he's a phenomenal shape this year and dude, he's just hungry. You can just see it on his face. He has a different kind of concentration on his face than I've seen him have the other years that I've watched him play. And I've seen him play in person just like you every year in his career. He just looks like a completely possessed man mentally and he knows it's his contract. Like, if he wants to get a, a, a contract, he's got to play well. And he just looks – I've loved what I've seen out of him. I think he's been great um, all over the floor. He, he's spreading the floor better this year. I think he's his uh, putting the ball on the, uh, the deck. has been awesome this year to see him work. He's look. I can tell he's worked on that in the offseason. Um, I, I think his dribbling, his handles too, along with that, just going tying in with that have been phenomenal. And I think his touch around the rim is he's just near perfected that. I felt like he was good at that always when he got near the rim, but I feel like he's making shots that I cannot believe he's pulling out of his bag. And it's just consistently that he's doing it. And so I just think Nas Reed is showing that, yeah, he could be a starter level guy on on certain teams in the NBA this year.
1: One, one of the things that sticks with me is any anytime I'm back in the cities or covering a game um... – you get, you're just behind the scenes. You get to talk to a lot of people that we kind of think of in the front office or assistant coaches and stuff. And I'll never forget. I was talking to someone uh, during a playoff, the playoff run. And they said, hands down, the number one person who like took those first couple losing seasons, the hardest or hates to lose is Nasrid said flat out. Nasrid is our most competitive player we have on the team. Uh, and that's not to throw shade at anyone else. It's just, that's how I mean, you have to be, wired in a certain way, Evan, that you're almost a psychopath to like change your body like Nas did. I, I've i said it a thousand times, but I always joke, Nas couldn't jump over the free throw line that first year of summer league, not from it. He just couldn't jump over it and it's painted on the floor. He had, he had really no athleticism. He was just a big kind of chubby high school kid and he is so cut, so lean. And not only that, he has all of the skills of a guard. Like he's a big yeah. man that can protect the rim is not afraid to line up and um, play tight end and be physical and block a guy, but he's also just really skilled with the ball. He might be one of the, like in terms of half of the roster, he's probably in the upper half of their ball handlers. So it's just, it's been incredible. I know it's an extremely small sample size. He's only played, I think in six games, but he's shooting 40% from three this year. Uh, he, he is a really underrated rim protector. You would look at him and be like, "Oh, he's a little shorter, maybe not long arms, but he just gives you everything you want from a backup center." And it's gotten to the point now where not only he is he a great backup center, he has to play in every game. He just he does too much. He's too much, too much energy, too much like rim protection, too much just sets really good screens. Like that's a big thing for this team, and Finch has to find ways every night to to at least give him that first stint in the first half. And if he doesn't have it that night then you can go small in the second half and feed Kyle Anderson some of those minutes, but he's just been phenomenal. And again, it goes to Jalen. Obviously Jaden now is starting, but Jalen and Jordan McLaughlin and Nas Reed, all those guys that kind of came through the Iowa development thing, they know how to play the system. They trust each other. They're kind of each other's best friends uh, and all that stuff is the chemistry aspect that we're hoping that the starters can find. Right.
0: Yeah. 100%. And I think, I remember we talked about this uh, as well on one of our podcasts here, but we we talked about that you're going to have to make a decision probably of either keeping D'Angelo Russell or potentially keeping Jalen Dewell and Nas Reed if you can keep them both. And, and so far, what it's showing on paper is Jalen and Nas Reed are keepers over D'Angelo Russell. W- what do you think of that?
1: Yeah, I mean, you got to find kind of get into the minutia of like, how much can you even, I think I was, I think it's four years, 60 million that you can give Jalen right now. Um, I bet that guy still thinks he should get more than that, even though that's a substantial pay raise for what he is making now. Um, But I've kind of comped him, like kind of lazily, but I've kind of comped him to like this team's Jordan Poole. I mean, he has not only the ability to score, but he also just has that kind of flair and substance to his game that is really I think we have but are we back? My alarm went off. I was trying to yeah. clock out for work.
0: Okay. It's okay. I lost you for like two seconds. Keep going. Thank
1: you. So yeah, no, I I was trying to clock out for work and I had a reminder. So we're back now. No, I just, you're right. You got to, you got to find a way to keep those guys, but I don't, how do I say this? Evan, we we watch 82 games a year, and so we, so we see all these guys all the time. But we don't see Tim Connolly 82 times a year, right? Like, But those guys exist. Tim Connolly woke up today just like you and I and had breakfast and coffee and then went to work for 9, 10, 11, 12 hours. So I imagine these are conversations that they're having behind the scenes, and they're probably seeing on the court some of the same good, like we just talked about with Jalen and Nas, and some of the same bad so far what we've seen from D'Lo. So those are going to be conversations they're going to be having ongoing and they're going to have to address maybe before the trade deadline. If you don't think you can, you know, if you're not in the spot you thought you'd be in, you you know, you're going to lose one of those guys. Maybe you have to flip them and try to recoup some assets. But right now, Nas Reed and Jalen Noel have made strong cases to be not only fixtures of the 2022-23 rotation, but fixtures of this franchise moving forward
0: so I was listening to the Zach Lowe podcast earlier today and he had a little segment about the Timberwolves because he brought up some things about the Wolves the Nuggets uh you know the Brooklyn Nets kind of like should we hit the panic button on certain teams and they were going over it and um can't remember who his guest was again but on top of my head but
1: I think it was Nick Friedle uh, right
0: I, I, you might be right I, I just can't remember okay so I don't want anything, but it was a fantastic listen uh, as always. But um, it kind of went over. Did you listen to it by chance?
1: I haven't yet, but I've heard that it was a really good pod and highly, highly recommend listening to it.
0: Yeah, they, they talked about um, a hypothetical trade, not Zach, but the other guy. We'll just say Nick for now. Um, brought up that he would do if you know both parties were open to it a DeAngelo Russell for like a Mike Conley swap. And he thought that Conley would strongly improve the Timberwolves as a team, and that we need a really just a true four general over than you know a guard like D'Angelo Russell playing. And I thought that was kind of interesting because I'm thinking about like you know they played together. Would I do it? I don't know. Is it too early to start thinking about that? I don't know. But I did think that was interesting. Uh, what, like, what is your opinion on that? I just, I just want to get your take.
1: I, I, I'm going to say this. I think it's time. I think we got to plant a flag into our stance on some of this. I think it's too early, because I've also watched Mike Conley play basketball, and I think, for better or worse, that he's like cooked. Now he might give you a good game every now and then, but I don't know if Mike Conley is going to really address. He's been spotty from deep. I don't know if he's going to. Address, he's not going to address any of the defensive liabilities whatsoever. Um. So I think you got to kind of get – and again, too, I, I referenced – I don't know, Evan, if it's December 8th or what, but there's that date where all the guys that like were signed this summer are eligible to be traded. So mm-hmm. you, I guess just a spoiler alert, no one's getting traded in November. It's just highly unlikely. No. It's also go Definitely. back and look at the NBA in general. It just doesn't happen because you're only p- picking from a pool of you know 65% of the league instead of 100%. So you're not going to see anyone get traded this month, and that's why I go back to – I think Finch is – this is Finch's job, right? Like Finch has gotten the most out of a lot of lesser skilled players than D'Lo. So I trust that he's going to be able, they have a good relationship. D'Lo likes him a lot more than he liked Ryan Saunders. Uh, But you got to give it another month to kind of figure it out. And then come December, we can start to kind of piecemeal and look around and see like, okay, what what, what could you get for a D'Angelo Russell? What do you think this team even needs? Because that's been a a common theme on Twitter right it's like this team doesn't even really need I mean you and I are Vikings guys like this team doesn't even need Kirk Cousins right like they just need like a guy to hand the ball off (laughs) for better or worse right and then maybe make a check down they don't really need too much from their point guard and that's probably why we're so hard on Dilo right now because they don't need much and even the lower expectations for what you want from your point guard they're not being met and that's that's where the frustration kicks in
0: yeah, I think when you say – if you were to ask me that question right now, what do we need? What do you think we need? What Like, what player do we need or what do we, what do we need? I would say – I would agree with you. It's not a player. I, I would say, from my opinion, it's a leader, someone yep. who can take the team, right? Somebody like – we need we need that Patrick Beverly leader. We need it. Torian Prince to step up. Um, you know, I don't – I'm one of the few who doesn't probably think Rudy Gobert is one of those leaders – Um, not because I don't think he doesn't have an amazing resume, but I just think he's not that guy where players like look at and they're just like, they know what Rudy Gobert does, but like his play isn't like Anthony Edwards could be where you would want to follow that. And so I think like you need, you almost need like Edwards to just, I know he's young and everything, but you almost need him to step up this year and just be like, all right, guys, I'm tired of this. I'm the alpha and let's do it. Cause I I don't think Carl's got either. But I think the biggest need for this team is a leader. Uh, I think they have plenty of time to do it. And honestly, I'd rather be in that position than, than but, be like, oh, like the Lakers, where you need all these things and all this. You have all these issues with players.
1: But Evan, that, that's like, again, not to just completely blow smoke here, but that's actually such a great point. But sometimes and this is why I'm not losing my shit after eight games because the Celtics model last year, right? Again, I, yeah. I would probably bet that this team doesn't, the Wolves do not make the NBA final. I, I'm pretty confident in that, but I'm also pretty confident they're not going to go 30 and 52, but sometimes you don't know what you need until you need it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: So like the Wolves kind of realizing now, like, Oh, okay. Probably defensively, we're just fine without Pat Bev and Vando. Right. And offensively, we're probably going to have everyone across the board, positive regression on their three-point shooting, and we probably won't need Malik. But we really don't have anyone in the locker room to set us straight during moments when we need it. So is that going to pivot to Chris Finch? Is that going to pivot to a starting player that makes $30 million? Like, is Carl ready to do that finally? Or is it Ant? Or is it, you know, do they have enough respect for a guy like Austin Rivers, who, again, you were at the game these last couple nights, you can see it through the screen that he's, he's not part of the rotation right now, but he's still one of the most vocal guys when a young guy does something. Well, he's jumped off the bench. When timeouts come, he always has his arm around a guy's shoulder. So yeah, I think this is part of, these are all these seasons. As cliches. As it sounds, they're all movies, man. They're all books. They're all narratives. And maybe now after eight games, nine games, 10 games, we're starting to feel like, okay, this team has offense. They can figure out the defense, but who is, who is the alpha? Who is the hierarchy, right? Your job mm-hmm. has a title. My job has a title. I report to someone and I oversee someone like what is the wolves hierarchy? And maybe that's what we learn in November. And going back to that, that KG Spreewell Cassell thing flip was kind of like, Hey, three of you run that locker room, go hold each other accountable and that'll have the younger guys hold each other accountable as well. So it's going to be something to kind of monitor moving forward, but yeah, you're right. They don't know who, who's the voice when things go bad, who is the guy that pulls the other four guys together on the court? They don't know that right now. And that's not good.
0: Yeah. I really think once that comes then everything will just really flow with, with the team. Um, I I just feel like it's, it's just awkward right now. It it feels awkward watching them. And so it just feels like there's all these, should I, is it my turn to shoot? Is it your turn to shoot? Do you want to take over in this quarter? Is this your quarter? Um, Like there's all, there's little hesitations or like, that little split second, you don't throw the the pass, the outlet pass. That's just enough time to, like, mess it up or a little stutter step. And I just feel like there's all these little things right now. And, d- like, we just need someone to direct it. We just need someone to be out there. And once they get that flow down and they understand that and, and they really – like Patrick Beverly said last year in the players' meeting, what's your role? Yep, The players yep. need to be like, this is my role. And then I feel like everything will flow – for the rest of the year into the playoffs. And I think you're looking at a team that's going to be one of the best teams in the NBA. That,
1: that is such, that was such an inflection point for that team last year. They were at, I don't know, Cove or something. One in one of the suburbs, they're all out to eat. And when Pat Bev kind of just took over the room and said, went, you know, around the table and said, say your name and what your role is. As cheesy as that sounds to the listeners, that's a real thing that happens on these planes and in these hotels and at these restaurants, like they have these real conversations about hierarchy, about who, who, if, if I, ha- if I, if you're my manager or Evan, and I run into a, a situation, I don't have to think about who I go to for a question. I just go to you. Right. Yeah. I bet you, if you asked Nas Reed and Jalen, the well those guys, who is your kind of manager? They would say it's Jordan McLaughlin because those guys grew up in Iowa with Jordan McLaughlin kind of being their floor general. So they know that if something's not going right, get the ball to Jordan. He'll reset the offense. You know, he'll he'll get us in our defense on, on the other side of the court. So that's that's why I think you see Nas play so freely. He's not thinking. That's why Jalen Noel plays so freely and confidently. He's not really thinking. But that's because they already know what to do. I don't think the starters know what to do. I don't think they know their pecking order. I think that's why offensively, especially in late game stuff, it's so sticky and so stagnated that, like you just said, it's like, do I go, does Evan take the shot? Do I dribble? Do Does, does, does Trip run the offense? Like, they, they don't know that yet, and they got to figure that out. And until they do, man, they do the same stuff, right? But the, the hope would be is that someone kind of simmers to the top and just kind of takes this thing by the horns and says, I, I'm running this now, Um, kind of, for better or worse, fall in line. I think that'll be beneficial for them.
0: Yeah, I think they're going to figure it out. I think there's there's just so many, like you said, talent which is just going to outweigh everything else at, at most times at the end of the day. And when we talk about, like, is this the deepest team in Timberwolves history, which I believe it is, then you look at every other NBA team, too, as the season goes on. Like All these teams don't necessarily have as great of depth as the Wolves. Not saying there's not teams out there that have equal depth, but I'm just saying Timberwolves probably... Are you know in the top five, top seven, deepest teams in the NBA. So what starts happening when all these other teams start battling, you know, injuries? Like Damian Lillard's going to be out right now. Perfect example. Um, all these different players start having injuries that can go well for the Wolves too later in the year because we've got depth. We've got guys that have, that can really step up, and I think that that also can really contribute to winning.
1: You know, you know when you travel. Like, you were traveling to Minneapolis and yeah. all over the country. Like, when you travel, sometimes you just get caught up eating all the same stuff for a while, and you just need, like, a hard reset, right? I always yeah. like, when I come home, I like, my wife just, we got to eat vegetables, and maybe we'll grill. It's kind of sometimes a good thing for a, a fan of a certain team is, like, I know we're doing this on a Wednesday. The Wolves don't play tonight. They don't play on Thursday. Like, just go watch a couple other teams that you're, you're kind of familiar with, right? Like, I do that yeah. with the Warriors sometimes. They've lost four of their last five games. They lost to the Suns last week 134 105. They're they just straight DNP Jonathan Kaminga now, which is mind blowing. Like they're really going through it. They lost to the Pistons and Hornets back to back games. Go look at the clip. So I know that doesn't maybe not make you feel better in the moment, but other teams are having these same conversations. And like, do we got to trade Draymond? Do we got to flip Kawhi? Like the other teams are having the same talk we have. And I don't know about you, man, but like that. It does make me feel better sometimes to know that I'm not the only one that has their team struggling, but I just always subscribe to the Daryl Morey model of professional basketball that talent just kind of wins out. They have a lot of talent in their front office. They have a lot of talent in the coaching staff. They have a lot of talent on the bench. I think they're going to figure it out, but sometimes you don't figure it out, a la your Celtics analogy, until you go through enough situations where that wasn't the right move, that wasn't the right play, that wasn't the right shot, and then it clicks, and you realize, okay, this is how we should play, this is where we should shoot, this is who should lead. Uh I just think we're kind of in it right now. We're just kind of in the storm, but, you know, brace yourself for maybe a couple more stormy days, stormy weeks, but I, I really do think, not even being optimistic, just I think there's so much talent now that there will be a lot more sunny days and there will be stormy days.
0: There's a lot of things to look forward to. Is there anything uh, else, Kyle, that you feel like you want to bring up today on the pod before we wrap things up here?
1: No, I, I'm really excited to continue to see how this bench looks. Um, uh, I want to see, you know, they, they host the Bucks on Friday in Minneapolis. I think it was last year where things were kind of ugly to start the season and they had this random kind of surprising win against the Bucks in Milwaukee against, you know, the defending champs oh. at that time. So, you know, all it takes is a win on Friday at home against the Bucks on ESPN to kind of write the ship and then you get to host the Rockets and the Knicks and kind of figure it out there so it's going to be game by game but you, your barometer as much as you want wins I think the wins will come but your barometer should just be can this team figure out at least one thing per game that they didn't know the game before and if that's the case you know seven days from now ten days from now we'll be having a much more you know optimistic happy podcast but just, just just kind of trust the system, trust trust Finch, he'll figure it out uh, and be patient.
0: Yeah, because at the end of the season and whether you're watching you know the NFL or the NBA, there's always those teams that they make it, they kind of barely make it into the playoffs, but you know that their talent is so above that. And once they get to the playoffs and they get their ticket in, then they have this really big playoff run in success. I think worst case scenario, if you're a Wolves fan, that would be the scenario where it's like, all you got to do is you got to make it in the playoffs. And you make it in the playoffs, anything could be possible. And everybody knows once you're in the playoffs, all the records are set back to zero. That's how I look at it every year. Just ask the nine and seven New York Giants beating the Patriots those couple times. Against, it's, against so it's, such a good, it's such
1: a good comp, though, right? Because at this point, you and I aren't huge baseball guys, but like the Philadelphia Phillies are looking like they're going to win the World Series, and they yep. backed their way in with damn near a hundred losses into into the playoffs. So no very very few teams win 60 games in general like almost every NBA champion has had walls right I mean even think about you said the Celtics look at the what the Warriors did last year they had moments where it was like are they gonna have any chance to is this dynasty over and then they clicked so you really just want to try to have more good days than bad days clearly the Wolves have had some bad days early on and some disappointing losses but I'll tell you what, as of this moment, it takes – I have to go back and look at last season, those first 30 games, because I don't remember any of them. I, I didn't remember that the Wolves got pummeled in back-to-back games in early November by the Clippers, but they did. And then they went on to have a really successful season. So it starts on Friday against the Bucks. They have a kind of a nice schedule over these next couple of weeks, um, but it all comes – everything comes back to that starting five. Can they figure it out to start the game? And more importantly, can they figure it out – to close the game,
0: I think we're in good hands. I think Minnesota's in good hands. We got the Vikings, we got the Wolves. I think we're, things are looking up. Kyle, uh, where can they find you and all your podcasts for those listening before we end things?
1: Oh, let's see. Uh, I'm at Kyle Tige on Twitter. Uh, I'm hosting Flagrant Howls over at Score North with my good friend Phil Mackey on Mondays and Thursdays. And then I'm, uh, I'm on the Dane Moore NBA podcast on Fridays. We actually recorded early this week. Uh, So that should be out right now. Um, But yeah, lots to talk about. There are issues to address, but you kind of got to keep a 10,000 foot view for now uh, and kind of trust that some of these issues will work themselves out. So uh, as always, you know, I'm a big fan of this podcast. Uh, Pour one out for trip. Hopefully we can get trip on next time um, when the Vikings have like a nine game lead on the Packers. But we'll keep talking. We'll keep trusting in this process. And uh, I still believe that this is going to be a over 48 win team.
0: All right, guys, Uh, once again, I'm Evan. Thank you so much for listening to the Daily Wolves podcast. Trip, shout out to you. I know uh, you're somewhere out there, but until uh, next time, as always, go Wolves.